This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And the first thing I've got to do, Simon Mann, <laughs> is give you some money. Give me some money. Yeah, because I know we had a bet uh, on the day before the last day of the Lord's Test. And I said best chance was Australia would win. You said it would be a draw. We bet a fiver. Can you hear the colour of my money there? Or the sound of my money? I'm handing it over just to prove that I always do settle my bets. OK? Thank What's you. your bet for this next game? Then? Thank you very much. A result. Or we could do a double or quiz. Uh, um, okay. What are you going to go for? Um, You're probably going to go for England, though, aren't you? I, yeah, I'm going to go for England. Yeah, I quite fancy them in this test oh. match as well. Right, so we, the, the bets are off for this <laughs> well, test. Well, in then. a way, it's, uh, listen, there's only been one draw in the last 19 Headingley test matches. It's not the pitch it used to be, you know, when the game could end in three days, three and a half days, more would go up and down and seam around and it would be dramatic. Yeah, and, you know, you'd totally have to, different. It's, it's very different, but mm. there have been results there. One draw in 19 matches, that was England against South Africa in 2012, that sort of famous match in which Kevin Peterson played that amazing innings and then... All hell kicked <laughs> off. All hell kicked off afterwards, yeah. and he was left out of the next, of the next test match. So that was the only draw there. I, you know, it's going I feel it's going to go one way or the other. The weather forecast looks pretty good, for, you know, from, from this distance. I mean, you feel if you get you know, four, four and a half days with these teams, you're going to get an outright result. So I reckon it's going to be one-one, or the Ashes are going to be going back to Australia. I suppose a lot of it will depend, you know, which team recovers better mm. from Lords because. I mean, you know, back-to-back tests mm. are incredibly hard. You know, I played a game of cricket on Sunday, and I know I'm you know, almost <laughs> decrepit, but, you know, you play 50-over game uh, where you're fielding for 50-overs, and obviously in a test match you're fielding for 90-overs. It takes it out of you, whether you've played regularly or not. It's a very, very tough 90-overs of, of play, and you do that four or five days in a row... You know, it, it really takes a long time to recover from that. Never mind, you know, you've been hit as well if you're a batsman. So, I, and the bowlers have obviously, you know, had to go through it. You know, it takes a lot out of you as a bowler, blowing a lot of short short balls as well. So, I, I'd just be interested to see 
how each of the bowling attacks yeah. and batting orders have recovered from that real gladiatorial battle mm. at Lords. Joffrey Archer, of course, bowled 44 overs in the match, which is you know quite a lot when you consider yeah. it was a, a short game. Uh, I don't know if you saw his tweet where he said, "Me getting out of bed uh, tomorrow," or "Me getting out of bed this morning," and they had a, a picture of an old bloke trying to sort of lift himself up from a, a sofa. So you know, even though he's not 24 years of age, you know it's, it's bound to take a, a, a physical yeah. toll on you. Australia will be hoping that you know you can barely move because I mean, he's, he's. It feels as if he sort of opened up the series again, but Australia only have to win one of the last three matches to retain the Ashes. They came to win the series, obviously. That's what they wanted to do: win their first series in England since 2001. But you know, winning the Ashes, holding on to the Ashes, is what it's. It's sort of all about, isn't it? You want to retain the ashes. Uh, I wonder if they take that, you know, one win in the last three matches, retain the ashes, or do they think they've got enough to go out there and, you know, flatten England and and, and win the series outright? It, it feels, though, with Archer's spell at Laws, that the, the series has sort of come back towards England a bit, but it's still a very, very handy Australian bowling attack. Definitely. So, you know, England is... And they've got people in reserve, you know. They've yeah. got Mitchell Stark hasn't even played yet, mm. so they've got people who can sling the arrows back for, for sure. It's interesting looking at the, the, the aftermath of the second test because obviously Steve Smith is now out of that test match uh, on medical advice and he's had a lot of care and attention and, and not rightly so. I wonder how much care and attention has been given to the bowler. Now that might sound a bit odd because he's the guy who's inflicted the damage but I think actually it is quite a disconcerting experience I've, I've got a small uh, bit of experience of it myself of, of hitting people, injuring people you know when you're setting out as a fast bowler and it's quite an intimidating sort of, sort of thing to be in certain environments and you do want to kind of you know rustle people and hassle them and, and, and inject a little bit of fear into their batting you don't want to actually maim them and occasionally it happens Obviously, Smith's had a really severe injury, which it looks like is not going to be life-threatening in any way, but it, it clearly will affect him. And this is a, a guy who Joffre Archer's played with the, in the IPL Rajasthan Royals team with. They're mates. I've seen them together in the bar afterwards. They all get on great. You know, Ben Stokes and Joffre Archer and Steve Smith all practice together happily like a, a little gang during the, the sort of early part of this summer in India, and then suddenly he's, he's inflicted a really, really quite nasty injury on him, or two or three injuries, in fact, with the, mm. the arm as well. It really does affect you as a bowler when you hurt someone, whether you're close to that person or not. It makes you feel guilty. It's like you slightly doubt your uh, intimidatory-type tactics, whether the bouncer is a valid weapon. You know, you need people around you saying, mate, you, you know, you're doing the right thing. You, it was perfectly legitimate. You bowled great. You know, you changed the course of the game. You've affected a batsman's uh, mentality when he comes out, out again to play. But you still sort of feel, uh, you know, a little bit guilty, even a slight bit of shame. And I remember, you know, hurting... Actually, it was Phil Bainbridge, who was a quite a good drinking pal, playing for Gloucestershire... And I bowled him a bouncer. He got 100 in the first innings of a game, Gloucestershire against Middlesex. And uh, I thought, right, I'm going to get it in the second innings, you know, give him a quick bit of hurry up. And I bounced him first ball, cut his ear really quite badly, retired, blood everywhere. 
and the initial feeling was actually feeling I felt really bad because you know I'd caused a, quite a, a bit of harm of someone I really liked, I admired him, and when he came back into bat having been repaired, I just wasn't I didn't have the same aggression and, and ruthlessness again. That may be my problem, but I know other bowlers have had that as well. And obviously, the extreme version of that was Sean Abbott, who bowled the bouncer that ultimately killed Philip Hughes, and he he had to take a long time out of the game before he could he was ready to come back mm. so you know I just hope that Archer has had a, 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 a consoling hand on him and just a reassurance that you know he meant no terminal harm to anyone but the way he bowled has you know seriously affected the way that the series might unfold and the way that certain batsmen will be in the, in, in future Listening to that, people say, "Well, uh, I'm Sean Abbott came out. He, you know, came back and played first class cricket, and actually, it's not. It wasn't a million miles away from the, you know, the Australian uh, international side. But he, he hit Will Pukowski mm. not so long ago as well, and you know that sort of those memories came back. Australian batsman, he hit him, um, and also Archer on Sunday came back and bounced Marnus Labashain and hit him in the in the grill. So I mean clearly he's not going to stop doing it. And in in that Laws no. test match there were twenty instances of a batsman being struck on the helmet or hit on the body. Eleven of them were inflicted by Joffre Archer. So I don't I don't think it's gonna going to stop it, but you think it might have, it might sort of deep down might affect him? Well, a little bit. You know, I don't think it's going to stop him from bowling short again, but to get that sort of level of ferocity that he produced in that spell after lunch on Saturday, you need quite a lot of things to, to work out together. One of them is you feel you need to feel lively and, mm. you know, kind of really in rhythm, but I think also there are other elements that stir you to that level of performance one of them is who's at the other end and in the case of that spell I think it was almost partly stirred up by Pat Cummings rather than Steve Smith because it was Cummings who bowled a lot of bounces to Archer when he first came into bat in the first innings his first innings in test cricket about first four balls he got were bouncers which he ducked out of the way of from Cummings played pretty well then eventually got out to another short ball from Cummings which he sort of managed to skew into the gully region so when he saw Cummings come out to bat that's when he retaliated really with a few serious bounces back at Cummings and of course Smith was at the other end and that got Archer really going and then he bowled some which I think with an older ball as well it doesn't some of them bounce and some of them don't you hit the softer part of the ball and some get up and then you hit the harder part of the ball and some climb and the batsman's not sure whether to stand up and play it or duck and just the decision making in point three or four of a second it's just complete instinct I've seen batsmen trying to face somebody like Wayne Daniel at, at, at Lords, who's a similar sort of pace to Archer you know you just bang it in short of a length incessantly and batsmen towards the end of an inning soft the ball just have no idea whether the ball's going to bounce or not so it's complete lottery how you play it so it's lots of little circumstances mm. that that lead to a bowling spell like that you can't just do it again straight away you sort of need that getting your dander up in some way to, to, to really get going and it's quite interesting also that there's a bit of a parallel I was thinking with that spell and the great test match of 1974-5, Brisbane, the Ashes test match in which 
Lillian Thompson and the series after that in which they terrorised England. And it was all started by Tony Gregg, who bounced Dennis Lilly in the first innings of that Brisbane test. And Lilly sort of stared down the wicket and said, you know, you'll regret that. And they did, because <laughs> Lilly and Thompson then were, were absolutely fantastic for the rest of that series. Gregg actually got 100 in that, in, in yeah. that test match, and he was, he was signalling his own boundaries. You could he just was. imagine the England batsman back in the dressing room going, oh, Tony, yeah, don't, their eyes. don't do that, Tony. Yeah. Don't wind them up even more, because, I mean, Gregg has got a sort of deal with it, and he? he? had that sort of bravado, and he had a quality batsman as well, although he was sorted out by uh, the West Indies in, in the, you know, not so long afterwards in, in a series in England. Um, but you, you can just imagine that, can't you? Oh, Tony, just just tone it, just tone it down a bit. Yeah. Just you know, just just lean on your back. Almost as bad as his mate uh, is saying about the West Indies. Well, the West Indies grovel yeah, a couple yeah, of years later. Yeah. But so you do need sort of circumstances to to all come together in a way to create that sort of perfect storm. So that might not happen again mm. at Headingley. Smith won't be there for a start, and you just you know you need to click. Everything needs to click. To be able to bowl a, a spell of that severity. Also, as well, what about the length of his spells and how much he bowls? I mean, you can't just charge in and bowl ninety-five miles an hour for, you know, forty-four overs, can you? I mean, you, it's, I thought it'd be physically impossible, especially in back-to-back Test matches. That's going to be the real test, I think, for for Root and for the rest of the England bowling attack as well to support mm. Archer. I mean, clearly mm. Archer is now the the main thrust, but there's plenty of other quality bowlers in that England attack, and that, it seems to me they have to support him. And, and, and almost root has to has to be a bit careful I'm about sort of managing him a yeah. bit. And, you know, and, and I, this is going to come with experience. Obviously, it was Archer's first Test match, but he's going to have to, you know, as you say, sort of pace himself a bit. Maybe with the new ball, you know, maybe bowl his sort of eighty-five to eighty-eight miles an hour kind of consistent line and length with the odd bouncer and then it's do you want the... that from him though do, or do you just want him to go bullet a gate yeah, as, good as question. much as you possibly can you know say right Joffre five over spell go for it and then you know the rest yeah, of the I bowlers think it's will, a good, will I support think it's a really you. good question and I think it depends who's batting what the conditions are like what other bowlers are, are doing you know if you don't want Archer to be char- charging in and bowling bouncers and the ball flying off the edge for fours and, and sixes even uh, with, if there's a, a controlled period going on but if there's nothing happening, and and you know they're struggling to take wickets, or they've got the the premium batsman in, then obviously you want to ratchet it up a bit. Mm. If England were to lose Archer, say you played one more Test match and was injured, is, is that it? I mean, is he is, is are the ashes <laughs> resting on Jofra Archer now, as far as England are concerned? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think there's still uh, it's going to give England renewed confidence, but. What they really need to do is make sure they make more runs. Yeah. And England's big issue hasn't been solved by the presence of Archer. It's the top four. And Root clearly is a, is a class batsman, but if he doesn't get any protection from the openers and both Rory Burns and if Jason Roy opens, they've shown a lot of vulnerability to those top-class Australian bowlers. So somehow England need to, to protect Root a bit better and Root then needs to perform as well. Well, Burns has done his job, surely. He's faced 524 balls. He has, but he sort of... You still feel... I'm sure the Aussies still feel with Hazelwood and, say, Stark yeah. or or um, Cummins, they sort of feel that they can, can get him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But, he's, yeah, that's true, but he's, he's toughed it out, hasn't yeah, he? he has toughed it out. 226 runs, 524 but, but balls. Got, but England have got, I think, only 250 stands mm-hmm. in the last 18 opening partnerships, and that's where it's so, it leaves Brute and the rest... So vulnerable. Well, Roy, Roy has been the vulnerable one for England. Mind you, at least he's averaging 10. Warner's averaging 4.5. 
so far in the series. I mean, is he going to come good, Warner? Do you think? I mean, is it is it sort of, is he due or is it not really like that? Do you think that England really have a sort of measure of control over him? I mean, Broad's got him out three times. Yeah. Archer once, got him yeah. out in, in the second innings. Mm. <sighs> it's hard to know. It's a hard question to answer, isn't it? He shaved his beard off apparently. <laughs> Looking for a change of fortune, so a beardless Warner for, for. I think one in. of his problems. And he, he's got to te- he's got to te- sort of adopt the mantle now, isn't he? No Smith, so Warner in a way is the main man in that Australian right. batting well, line. I think one simple thing he can do is stop kind of lunging at the ball all the time because he seems to be playing the ball far further forward than he has done in previous tests or in previous series anyway, or playing in the World Cup. He, he stayed back on his stumps and played a lot of late shots. And suddenly here, he's sort of groping at the ball and pushing out at it, which suggests a lack of confidence against the red ball. He's going to come good. He's going to get some runs somewhere. He's too good a player not to. Mm. But it, there's a lot of pressure on him now. You're right. It's so funny actually being in the box on, on Sunday after the declaration from Root, 260, whatever it was, in 48 overs. And Warner, I think, came out and hit his second ball through extra cover for four. And people were going, oh, I should never declare. I should never declare. <laughs> Just, but it shows what, you know, it shows the power of him. Doesn't, you know, what, he, what he's got, that, that sort of, you know, that you know he's capable of, of something really special. Of course, you know, they've kept him so quiet so far. I was really impressed with Labuschagne. I mean, what, what sort of weekend did he have? It's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, you know, not playing in the game. Presumably he was doing sort of practice and uh, hoping to sort of... Twelfth man take duties, the, Yeah, and all that. He was out on the yeah. field. And then suddenly you're thrust into the battle of the last day and you've got Joffre Archer steaming in after having taken a couple of wickets and you're, you're placing Steve Smith, Australia's best batsman. England still can't... They're still struggling to get Australia's number four out, aren't they? It's like, yeah. it almost like Labuschagne was Smith in, you know, in, disguise. in disguise. Yeah. How is Smith going to be affected in the long term well I'm sure he'll still make lots of runs but I just will go back to a colleague I had for many years Roland Butcher who played for Middlesex in England he was the first West Indian actually to play for England and he was one of the best hookers mm. in the world I mean, he, was, he hooked the top Malcolm Marshall he hooked for six oh, and, I remember watching Khan, Mike like Proctor onto the top of the hospitality tent in a championship match at Bristol was, I mean thrilling because Proctor was quick I yeah. mean, roaring yeah. in and yeah. Bang. And he would have probably played that shot with no helmet, I'd imagine, because yeah. that was in the, the, the early 80s. He then wore a side-piece helmet against Leicestershire, and George Ferris, who was a seriously quick uh, West Indian, bounced him. It was one of those bounces which didn't get up much, a bit like some of the ones at Archibald, and it hit uh, Butcher as he went for the hook, hit him up flush on the left cheekbone mm. and totally shattered his cheekbone and, and shattered his face. And we, I remember clearly the ambulance getting there within sort of 15, 20 minutes, coming onto the ground between the Allen stand and the pavilion, driving onto the ground. It was a horrible moment. This guy was, this batsman lying prostrate on the ground, stretched off. And though he did come back and play some months, he didn't play the rest of that season, he played the following year, it wasn't quite the same again. And mm. I think it gave a lot of bowlers more confidence mm. to, to target him with the short ball. So undoubtedly, that will be the thing that, that happens to Smith. Smith, better player than Roland Butcher. Yes, but Butcher yeah, was a good player, wasn't he? He was an attra- no, tra- player, attractive yeah. player to watch. But, I mean, Steve Smith, you're talking about you know, yeah. the top, top-class yeah. player. But he will doubt himself now mm. as well. Mm. He will question his, his, his judgment. Uh, bowlers will feel invigorated by this kind of this incident and the fact that he wasn't only hit once. It wasn't a ball that flew off a length. Mm. It was a shortish ball, which he didn't quite pick up clearly and it didn't bounce as much as he expected but it was one of three blows that he took on the body he couldn't really figure out 
quite how to play Archer. He tried to ride one of the bouncers and nearly got caught a short leg. He tried a hook and got a top edge. He tried ducking and was hit. So, you know, all those things will, will leave their psychological and physical marks. Are there the bowlers in the world, though, that can do what Joffre Archer did at Lords? I mean, are there bowlers that are quick enough to do that? I mean, that's one aspect. I mean, I was, I was thinking, well, just watching. watching Rabada, for instance. Yeah, watching Archer. Ja- Jasprit Brumra, very yeah. difficult to pick up. Yeah. Awkward bowler, Mohamed Shami, not probably quite as quick as, as Archer, but still with the ability to, to get to get a quick bouncer out. Yeah, some of those West Indies fast bowlers we saw earlier in the yeah, year. Shannon Gabriel, yeah, lively. Uh, it just made me think back, actually. We're just watching Archer run in on Saturday and, and Sunday that when West, you know, when West Indies were around, they had, well, four out on the field and another... 16 like that or 12 like that yeah. in, re- in reserve yeah. I mean, it, just yeah. ma- it just made you realise again remind you how difficult it yeah. was to play against them just that relentless yeah. that relentless pace coming well, out I, all I day actually, I did a, uh, a, a list of the fast bowlers in county cricket one year in about 1982 and basically every county apart from about two yeah. had at least one and possibly two guys who could seriously maim you yeah. if they wanted to you know, from Sylvester Clark to Imran Khan to Michael Holding, Colin Croft, Richard Hadley and Clive Rice. Yeah. Clive Rice bowled the most horrendously yeah. nasty bouncer, which was really straight, like, a bit like Archer's. And that's the thing. Archer runs up almost just behind the umpire and, and he bowls from so close to the stump. So the batsman's got no wriggle room. He can't really weave because it's coming straight at you. Also, Ravi Bopara uh, was, was talking about this. That he's, it, it, you know, most batsmen can pick up a cue off a, off a pace bowler. They're going to bowl a short ball. And, mm. and he was saying... Their head ducks a bit or it, something, yeah. He was saying it was it's really difficult to detect when Archer's going to bowl his, his yeah. bank. So that's only what he was saying, which is yeah. you know, an interesting point to consider. If you, if you, you, know, you do get cues off bowlers, don't and they? They're, they're, they're fractional, one, marginal one of the things, things one of the reasons for that is that Archer, A, is very tall. You know, he's got a very high delivery point, firstly. And secondly... Because he's tall and fast, he doesn't have to bowl his bouncer as short as other bowlers do. See, even Stuart Broad, who's actually taller than Archer, his release point is lower yeah. than Archer's. So he has to get the ball to get the ball up head high. He's not as quick either. So he, to get the ball head high, he's got to bowl it a bit shorter than his normal delivery. Archer doesn't have to bowl his bouncer that much shorter than his sort of back of the length delivery. And so it's difficult to pick up the difference sometimes for a batsman at that speed. So three test matches to go. I mean, everyone's talking about Joffre Archer. I mean, Jimmy Anderson's just come back playing a bit of second team cricket, uh, but it's, it's it's a lot of talk about Archer. I mean, do you, do you see England coming back and and winning, yeah. winning the series? Yeah, I, well, I, no, I don't see them winning the series. Actually, no. I, I, as you rightly said, Australia only got to win one game to keep the Ashes. Um, so I can't see them not winning one of those three matches, which means it's going to be 2-2 at best for England. So I can't see England winning the series. I can definitely see England winning a test match, though. I think you know this is the time to strike without Smith in their ranks. Uh, they're hurriedly drafting in a, a new batsman. Obviously, Labuschagne will probably mm. play. Mm. So you know, I think this it feels like England's 
sort of psychological edge. This is, is England's is chance. It's, all it's, now, it's now or never, isn't it, really, for England in this, this test? Not, not, I mean, not quite. I mean, if it's a draw, then the, the Ashes would go then on to Old Trafford. But really, realistically, you feel it's going to go one way or the other this game because of Henningley's record and the weather forecast is not too bad. So they really have to make they really have to make the most of it. No Smith and Archer sort of psychologically on on top and physically on top as well. Um, Australia undefeated in their last eight Ashes Test matches against England. So they you know they've got to break that record, England, if they're to have a chance in this series. Well, one other topic that has seemed to have cropped up over the last couple of days, totally separate to the Test series, is this issue of the hundred next year and overseas coaches. None of the coaches in the 100, certainly the men's version, are English. And quite a lot of consternation, you know, quite a lot of people on social media saying that's outrageous and all that. I think there's a couple of sensible reasons why that is the case. So we've just heard, for instance, that Darren Lehman is now going to be the the Leeds coach for that uh, 100 tournament. And it's people like Shane Warne, obviously, and uh, Tom Moody... It hasn't yet been announced by the Oval, but I, I hear he will be the coach of the, the Oval team. But I think one of the reasons for, for no English coaches is just the fact that they're going to be pretty much tied up with their counties, for one thing, because there's going to be county cricket going on at the same time as the 100. And also, none of the English coaches have really had much experience of the big tournaments abroad, like the IPL or the Big Bash. So the ECB were very intent on making sure that they were big-name coaches who had experience in those big tournaments. The other thing as well, if you look at the IPL, how many Indian coaches are in the IPL? How many Indian coaches are head coaches of IPL franchises? The answer from the last IPL, zero. They were people like Jack Callis and Mahela Jai Wardner and, and Tom Moody and Mike Hessen. Fleming, Stephen, Stephen Fleming. Fleming. They, yeah. were all, they were all high-profile, inverted commas, overseas coaches. So the, the IPL, exactly the same. Uh, I, I I was having a conversation uh, with someone from inside the game the other day who was sort of explaining to me the potential problem that if you had a, a county coach as one of the franchise coaches in terms of selection of icon players and conflict of interest that you know because you haven't just got your county you've got another county linking with you for the mm. the hundred so you know if you choose one player over another icon players you choose one icon player for another county and then one of your own icon players and someone within your own county will say well hold on why did you choose him over me so it's all it puts the coach in a in a difficult position that that's you know that's one aspect so if you have someone coming in from the outside then you have that sort of complete independence of of selection so that that's you know that's one issue i suppose but you know really for your own domestic tournament you do want to promote uh, ultimately mm. english I, coaches I don't think, you yeah and i you do and i think that will happen i think most of these coaches are going to be just there for one year I think some of them probably want to stay longer, and maybe they will stay longer, but the deal initially is only for one year. And I know, for instance, that one uh, high-profile guy, Ricky Ponting, has declined the the chance to coach a 100 team because the contract is only for one year and he wants a a longer kind of relationship. So maybe the chance for the English coaches will come after this first year where they're trying to sort of set it all off with lots of fireworks and fanfare and big names to, to attract the, the kind of audience and the kind of players that they want to attract. So do you think that these high-profile overseas coaches will, will bring in the players? Do you think they'll, they'll be a draw as well? 
the draft will be quite clinical, really, in how it's operated. And, you know, each team will get a, a particular pick in each round of the draft. And uh, in a way... Uh, so I'm, talking the, about, I'm talking about attracting, a, you know, high-quality overseas well, players. Or is, is there a limit on the high-quality overseas players? Well, there players? is. Because there's, there's no, no Indians, are there, for a start? There's a limit on the high-quality high overseas players. There's a limit in terms of your budget yeah. as well. So you've only got, I think, 1.2 million budget... And that the most expensive players are in 125,000 bracket, and you can only have, I think, three. So you can't pick any number of overseas players anyway. And the high-level coaches are going to be making the decisions on with their support staff on who they pick in that draft, which means the players themselves aren't going to have any say, really. You know, they're just going to be sort of pulled pulled out of the hat and, and picked and selected by those teams. They're not going to be phoning up Shane Warne and saying, yeah, I'd like to come to Middlesex or come to the Lord's Spirit team. So all, so all the overseas players are just going into the draft as well, are they? There's going to be one or two icon players yeah. per side who will be selected by those head coaches and their support team. But all the rest are just in the draft to be... Select and uh, selected and, and bought. So the icon players can be domestic players as well yeah. as overseas players. Yeah. Of course, they're still deciding on exactly how the hundred is going to be played. Uh, I know uh, my daughter's Middlesex women's team are actually playing some hundred trials today to try and see how that five ball and ten ball over works. When do you say to the umpire that actually one bowler is going to bowl all ten balls? Uh, do you say after the end of the fifth ball or do you have to say it right at the start of all ten, you know, changing ends and all that kind of thing? The various ramifications of how the tournament is played are still up for grabs and, and being experimented with as we speak. Do you think a bowler wants want to bowl a ten ball over? Well, I think if you, if you think about it, say Archer's bowling to Smith, yes, he would. Uh, it's a different kind of cricket, obviously, and the batsman has more chance of getting on strike. But say Rashid Khan yeah. is tying some batsman in knots and he and the batsman can't get him away, he would want to bowl more than five balls, I would have thought, and you know, get, get really exert his stranglehold on the innings. In fact, uh, I was talking to Shane Warne about uh, this uh, the other day, and then he said, well, I might give my opening bowler, whoever that may say it's Archer, I might give him 10 balls right at the start of the innings to completely dry up the runs, maybe take a couple of early wickets, completely control the game early on with your best bowler. You don't want to be bowling any wides or no balls, do you? In that, in that second <laughs> well, lot of, a 14 well, ball over. that second lot of, of five, if you're sort of locked into it already, mm. yeah, you're right, you'll end up with 12, yeah. 14 ball, and it'll happen as well, won't and it? It will, and of yeah. course there is the other spectre as well. It's not only an overstep no ball, but these uh, waist-high full tosses, which are now also no balls. I mean, I, do you know, I bowled one the other day. I was only bowling off spin, <laughs> and it, well, it slipped out of my hand a bit, and it went just above the waist to the batsman who sort of paddled it for one and of course I was warned by the umpire who was one of my team actually because mm. it was it was your own team's umpires um, I was thinking god I could be taken off yeah one more you'd be off I do think that is a ridiculous rule especially for club cricket well it's if only now two waist high full tosses it's only if you bowl them at the batsman isn't it if it's wide of the batsman yeah. it's no, considered to be no physical danger to the batsman then it's, it's, it's way through I, was, I certainly wasn't Change posing him any physical danger <laughs> yeah, bring it on at sort of 47 miles an hour yeah so. let, let Yoza serve up those full tosses that'll do nicely Heave the way on the leg side, act towards deep backward square leg for four or six. Yeah, mind you, probably had everyone on the boundary anyway, didn't you? Well, I, d- I had a few on the boundary <laughs> actually, and uh, it was it was a lovely event at Hilly Fields 
in Brockwell, just uh, near Lewisham. Lovely spot. And you gave the last day of the Lord's Test up to play cricket. I wanted to play for once with all three kids before they all disappear off in various directions and we never have the chance again. So so how did the Hughes family go then? We lost. Well, how- uh, only by 20 runs. Well, that sounds a good game. What about individually, though? Um, yeah, OK. Callum took three for 14. Nancy batted well and took a great catch on the boundary. And Billy hit 29, including a massive straight six. I got one wicket for probably about 23 and uh, four not out. Right. So not, not much of a star role, starring role, really. And I've, my fielding was mirthlessly mocked <laughs> by my kids. So I don't know whether I'll be doing it again. Tell them to look on YouTube, yours when you were rattling batsmen's helmets. and not much, getting... so long ago that there's not much footage. <laughs> so it's all in black and white, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's on, all pretty on, kind on of... On news roll. Here comes Hughes running into bowl now, look. <laughs> yeah. Leicester sure. Oh right, goodness right, me, that's a Right under the pump. <laughs> At least I was there. Absolutely. And you won some championships as well. We had a pretty good team. Yeah. Well, that's it, I think, for this week. Um, well, not for this week. We'll <laughs> right, report we're... back to you after the first day of the third test. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is one of those really, really exciting moments, I think, in an English summer, isn't it? We've had one huge high already uh, with the semi-final and final of the World Cup and you know, gradually getting there and then that sort of big high to you know, fantastic contrasting games as far as England are concerned. But this is, this is really what it's about now, isn't it? The Ashes Thursday, Headingley, England one behind, Archer with a psychological and, and even a physical grip over Australia. Australia battling to retain the Ashes and will go on and, and win the series. You know, fantastic week in prospect. Cannot, cannot wait for it, really. I know it's only a, a short break. Lords is, you know, test matches are quite intense, very intense mm. occasions, and a short break and you're into the next one. It, you know, it's demanding. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Absolutely thrilling and, and, and captivating prospect. And by the way, I, I don't think I've I've experienced a Lord's crowd so animated. Almost, uh, it was gladiatorial. That it was like the Coliseum, wasn't it? That Saturday afternoon when Archer was really flying. I was actually in the stand for twenty five minutes, and I've never seen or heard a Lord's crowd roaring. Mm like they were, roaring encouragement to Archer, which must have really spurred him on. Let's hope the Western Terrace at Headingley can do the same. Well, I'm sure they won't let England down. They like to get behind them, don't they? So we'll speak to you on Thursday. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.